Good morning. Thanks for being here. If you came expecting to hear Brother Matt, he is sick this morning. He called me yesterday or texted me yesterday morning and said, I'm not feeling too good, but I think I'll be able to make it. By 3 o'clock, he's, those, uh, those odds went way down. He said he was feeling pretty bad. He'd been sleeping most of the day, had a high temperature and was achy. And so um, I called Jeremy and said, hey, Jeremy, you want to have a going away sermon in the morning? And he said, no, I'll pass. So you're stuck with me. So I got to thinking about, hey, what, I could, I, what could I talk about? And, you know, I've been thinking for a long time about um, how my business kind of parallels our lives. And so I've entitled the lesson of the morning, Constructing Your Life. There's a lot of things that we do in construction when we get ready to build a building. And I think when we get, when the things that we do and the way that we go about preparing to build a building have some application and some parallels to the things that we need to do as Christians as we're building our Christian life. So I wanted to talk a little bit about those things this morning. So some of the steps to building a successful building, number one is to have some plans and specifications. And you see a picture over there of some plans and some measurements and some dimensions of that building. And so we have to have some plans and specifications. Those things tell us what we're to do, how we're to do it, when we're to do it, all those kind of things. They give us all of the integral details of how to build something. The second thing that we usually have is a schedule. There's some beginning and ending, and there's some milestones along the way that we need to hit in order to properly build that building. If you, get the, if you can't set the toilets until you get the ceramic on the wall, there's things that have to get done in certain orders for things to make sense. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. And then, we, then there's this whole constructability. There's the deliverable. That's the building, actually doing the construction of it. And then once we're done, we do what's called a punch list. Actually, throughout the job, if we're good project managers, we look at our work and we correct it as we're going. But at the end, for sure we do. And then finally, there's a certificate of occupancy. There's some some inspections that go on. The owner looks at that building and says, I'm willing to accept that from you. And I'm willing to pay you for that work that you've done. I like what you've built. And so when I think about that and I think about our Christian lives, I think there's some parallels there. And so we're going to talk about those this morning a little bit. First of all, these plans and specifications. You know, we have the the Bible, and we're going to talk about what, what the Bible has for us this morning. And we've heard many of these scriptures this morning, but the first one is out of 2 Timothy number uh, chapter number 2 and verse number 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So no different than a good project manager when he builds a building, he has to take those specifications and he has to read them. In, in Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 2, it talks about meditating on the word day and night. I tell the project managers, you've got to read those specifications. You've got to understand them. You've got to memorize them. You've got to know what's expected of you when you go out to build that building. And we're no different. Jesus and God have set aside this, this, this Bible and it tells us everything that gives us everything that we need and it tells us how to construct our lives and how to build our lives. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 3, 
It says, How be it that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby you whereby when you read you may understand what is my knowledge of this mystery of Christ. Romans chapter 11 has a very similar verse. So there's a mystery in here. There's things that weren't known before. There's things that we don't know. That one is specifically talking about the fact that that, uh, Jesus' word was going to be spread to the Gentiles. That was unknown at that time. We know it now because we've read it and we've studied this and we understand it and we know that as many of us as Gentiles, we have the same heir, we have the same uh, salvation that the Jews have. So there's a mystery in here. There's things that you have to read. If you don't read it, you're not going to build your building right. Another mystery is found in Ephesians chapter 5. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he was talking here about marriage, and he'd spent a whole lot of time talking about marriage. And he said, "There's a, this, this explains a great mystery. And that mystery is the reason that Jesus would die for us. The mystery is just like a husband loves his wife. Christ loved the church that much or even more. It's a great mystery. That explained why He came and why He gave Himself for us. Because He loved us just like a husband and a wife love each other. A great mystery that's in here. Some of those things that are hidden that we have to study. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16 it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That mystery has been revealed to us through the Scriptures. The godliness, everything that Jesus did for us, He's been received up into glory. It's not a mystery anymore because we've read this and we understand it. But just like a good project manager, we've got to read our specifications. We've got to study them. We've got to, there's going to be stuff in there you don't know you've got to do. The worst thing that can happen to a project manager is get to the end of the job and somebody that does understand what's in the specifications tells him, hey, you didn't do something you were supposed to do. And now he's got to go tear the building apart and do whatever it was he was supposed to do, potentially, to to do what the plans and the specifications told him to do. We don't want to get there. We don't want to get to the end of this thing and find out, hey, there was some stuff in here we didn't do. Because we didn't read it, and we didn't study it, and we didn't meditate it on it, and we didn't memorize it. So you have the plans and the specifications, and they give you a guide. They tell you what it is that you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to live your life. We'll talk about schedule for just, oh, did I? Oh, there was another one. According, to, uh, according as His divine power that given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us unto glory and virtue. So he's given us everything that we need in those scriptures, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Schedule. So life's timeline. We've been talking, Kent and I have been talking a lot about time. We've been talking about, for us, it's very linear. There's a beginning and an ending, but for God, there is no beginning and ending of time. He's been here eternity before, this little bit of timeline that we were going to live, and then eternity after. There is no time for him. Where for us, it's very linear if, you know, our... our, uh, Feeble minds, maybe for God it's circular. I don't know if it's spher- spherical. It's, you know, it's all dimensional. He can be anywhere, every, anywhere He wants to be at any time. He has that power. But for us, life, there is a timeline, and it's very, it's very sequential. So we got a start and we got an ending, and there's things that happen in between. Hopefully one of those things that happens in between is we decide to follow Jesus, right? That's an awesome milestone that hopefully each of us have made a decision to do. 
So sometimes, before you even get started, though, you've got to do some demolition. And there's a great story in Judges that we're going to read here in a minute about that. Sometimes you've got to get some stuff out of your way before you can even start the project. Before you can even begin the project, you've got to clear and grub. You've got to get some trees out of the way. You've got to get the land leveled. You've got to demo an old building. You've got to do some demolition before you can get started, and we'll talk about that. And then you've got the actual foundation that has to be built, and then you build your building on that foundation. We're going to break those down and talk about them. So let's look at this story in Judges. I believe it's in chapter 6, beginning in verse number 25. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the, in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord has said unto him, And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar." Therefore on that day he called him Jeroboam, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. So they were worshiping Baal. There was some stuff going on there. And at the very beginning of that story, it talked about the altar of Baal. And it said that altar had to be taken down. They had to to destroy that altar. They had to get it out of the way. They had to quit worrying about that. And they had to start, and they had to build an altar to God. They had to cut down the grove of trees that was around it. They had to do some demolition. They had to get some stuff out of their lives that wasn't supposed to be in their life and focus on God. That's what they had to do. And sometimes we have to do the same thing on this schedule. So if you look at um, James chapter 1 and verse number 21, it says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. We've got to get rid of some stuff. We've got to lay it apart. We've got to get it out of our lives. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. We've got to get some stuff out of our lives and get focused on the right stuff. Galatians chapter 2. But if, while ye seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also were found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid... For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I may I make myself a transgressor. So not only do we have to clear it and we've got to get it out of our lives, but we've got to make sure we don't start building it again. We've got to keep it out. We've got to keep it away from us. We've got to get it away from us and make sure that we don't start building it again because that would make ourselves a transgressor. So let's talk about the foundation for, for a minute. Isaiah chapter 28, verse number 16 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, 
Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste, or it won't be wasted on he that believeth these things. So Brother Jeremy and I were talking last night, and he did provide me a really cool graphic. Because I told him what I was thinking about doing, and he said, hey, I've got a sermon where I talked about a little bit about that. And so he sent me this graphic. And it's, an, it's an explanation of the scripture that's in Ephesians chapter 2. And it talks about Christ that's this cornerstone that they were talking about in Isaiah, this, this precious stone that was going to come. And how the foundation is laid on the prophets and the apostles. In Ephesians chapter 2 it says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So it talks about Jesus as being this foundation, this cornerstone, this thing that has to be built on. So we're building our lives on anything else. It's not going to work. We're building it on Baal as they were, or the world, or some other religion, chasing money, chasing dreams. Those things are going to get burned up, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So we build this construct, we start this construction on the foundation. Ephesians chapter 4 says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and holiness. It's talk, that conversation there is talking about your life. As you're building your building, you've got to put off the old man. You've got to put on the new man. And it talks about what those are. The new man is the righteousness and true holiness of God. In Philippians chapter 1, it says, Only let your conversation or your manner of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So it's talking about this building that we're building and it's talking about how we're supposed to live, our, our conversation, our life, it's to be one that is uh, as becometh the gospel of Christ here in Philippians chapter 1. Well, the second thing that I want us to understand is that you've got to build. You know, sometimes we don't get the job. We don't actually have to build the building. But here there's no choice. We are building something. You have to build. The Bible tells us in uh, James chapter 1, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if... Any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So we have to be a doer. We have to be a builder. We're going to be a builder, and we need to be building the right things. We need to be living our lives, our manner of conversation, the way that, uh, that we should. Sometimes, because we're imperfect in our world, there are things that change, right? The owner changes his mind. The architect changes his mind. The, the uh, engineers change their mind. We mess something up and we've got to do it a different way. There's, all, there's always a possibility that there's going to be changes or there's going to be addendums but that's because we're imperfect, right? 
And one of the things that we've already read is, I think, then I think that's the first scripture that uh, that I had referenced here. Yeah, the perfect law of liberty. There's not, there's no, there's no addendums. There's no changes. There's going to be no uh, talking your way out of it and saying I didn't know it or I didn't understand it or let's change that or you know I'd, I'd like some, I'd like for you to take that out. It's all in here. It's not changing. It's the perfect law of liberty. And as we talked about earlier. We need to understand that. We need to understand what's in here and, and line our lives up against that. And we'll talk about that in a little bit here in just a minute. According to His divine power hath given us, given unto us all things. We talked about that too. Everything we need is in here. So it's perfect. It's all-encompassing. There's going to be no changes. There's going to be no addendums. There's going to be no fixing anything here. We, it's, it's there, and it's the right thing, and we need to do what, what is written herein. So again, study to show ourselves approved and meditate in it day and night. <clears throat> we need to finish strong. So as we're finishing up this building, this is what uh, in Second Timothy, Paul writes, For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departures at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all those that love His appearing. So, we need to finish strong. We're building a building. We need to run the race. We need to do it right. And we need to do it according to our, our plans and our, our specifications, which is the Bible. So let's talk about what I call the punch list. And I think this is a, a kind of a unique concept because I believe God provided a way for us to measure ourselves and to think about where we're at. So throughout the project, we, myself, the project managers, other people, we walk the project and we look at things and we go, hey, that doesn't look right. We need to fix that. We need to make that, we need to change that up. That doesn't, that's not according to the pattern. That's not according to the specs. That's not according to the drawings. At the end, we for sure walk that. And we create a list of all the things that we didn't do that were the way they should have been done. And the Bible gives us some ways to do that, and I believe one of them is to come together in the assembly. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching, Hebrews uh, chapter 10. So as we come together and we hear God's word written or read and preached and taught to us, we think about our life, hopefully, and we think, and that's kind of a chastening of us. It helps us to be better. It's a, it's, a, it's a way of us reflectively looking at our lives and determining, I need to change something based on what I'm hearing out of here. That doesn't look right. That's not going to work at the end. I've got to fix that. There's another scripture, I think, that talks about that, too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, so this is, uh, we, we usually read this a lot when we come around the Lord's table. It talks about what was going on in Corinth and the fact that they were doing some things that they weren't supposed to be doing around the Lord's table. And it says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world." So it's talking about when we come around the Lord's table every Sunday morning, and it's talking about us examining ourselves. 
It's talking about writing that punch list down of everything that I don't do right compared to the perfect Lord and everything He did for me. I create a list in my mind. I reflect on all the things that my life is wanting or is, is not as it lines up with the perfect law of liberty, the perfect life of Jesus, the plans and the specifications for our life. So we come together to edify one another and to build each other up and to come around the Lord's table and to look at our life and lay it against the perfect pattern and figure out what do I need to change. It says here, if, if I would judge myself, I won't need to be judged. If I'll, if I'll judge myself and make those changes, then I won't need to be judged. So we have the punch list. So we've, uh, we've got the specifications, we've built the building, we've got the schedule, we've got the stuff out of our lives that we don't need in our lives, we've accepted the Lord Jesus as our foundation, we've built the building on it, we're taking care of all the things in our life that aren't right, we're getting them out of the way, we're, we're taking uh, an accounting of our own life as it's compared to the, uh, to the Bible, to our plans and specifications. One of the things that's often in our contracts, that's a legal term, time is of the essence. It'll be in every contract you ever sign in construction. And what that means is don't dilly-dally. Time is of the essence. It's important. My expectation is that you're going to do it, and you're going to do it promptly, and you're not going to be waiting a couple of weeks to get started, and, you know, you're going, time is of the essence. It's important. It's important that we get this thing finished on time. In time, uh, as we've talked about a lot this week, Kent, time is linear, and, and, and when we think of it in a very linear fashion, James chapter 4 and verse number 14 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. That says right there, time is of the essence, brothers and sisters. That says, we, we're only here for a little while. It's just a vapor, and then poof, it vanishes away. So we're only here for a little while. Time is of the essence. Job chapter 14 and verse number 1 says, Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. So we're only here a little while. And there's a lot of trouble. We've got we to keep our lives lined up with the perfect law of liberty. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 24 it says, For all flesh is as grass... And all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flowers thereof falleth away. But the word of God endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So you remember last summer, right? I don't remember how many days of 100 degree heat we had. But you remember the grass and the flowers. Unless you were just pouring the water to it, everything withered away. The yards died, the grass died, it withered away, the flowers went away because of the heat and because of the lack of the water. And just because that happens. The seasons change, things die and wither away. Time is of the essence. We need to be ready at all times. We need to be excited and looking forward, hastening the day that the Lord returns. So then we get to... Owner acceptance, we get to the end of the job, and I'm equating that to judgment. We get to the end of the job, and the owner's got a decision to make. Hey, I like what you built for me, or I don't. Um, I'm going to pay you for what you built. I'm going to take occupancy of it. I'm going to take that off your hands, or I don't. That owner acceptance, that judgment. 
And the Bible talks about that for us too. It talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we're talking about building the foundation. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be real... Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So you can build it out of gold and silver and precious stones. Something that will withstand fire can be tried by the fire. Or you can build it out of wood, hay, and stubble, and that chaff that will be burned up in the, in the as the judgment comes. So... What we build our lives out of, how we build our lives, how we live our lives is vitally important to this end time. Transitions are a little slow. Hebrews chapter 9, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Second Corinthians chapter 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in this body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So, that's my parallel story this morning. I think it parallels very, very uh, neatly with what I do every day. So you learned a little bit about construction maybe, and you've learned a little bit about the Bible. You've learned a little bit about the expectations of how we're to build our life. We're to construct our lives according to this pattern, according to the specifications that are here. We're to construct our life according to Jesus and the cross and the things that are written in the book. So hopefully you've been encouraged this morning. Hopefully maybe you've, you've thought about some things that maybe you need to change, or maybe you've thought about, I need to figure out, I need to, I need to write the punch list, I need to figure out what are all the things that I'm doing I shouldn't be doing and what I need to correct. Hopefully it's been inspirational to you and it's been edifying to you. Um, it was... Uh, it was a blessing to get to talk to you today. I'm sorry Brother Matt couldn't be here. I know he wanted to talk about the priesthood very much this morning, and if he could have been here, he would have. But this morning, if we can help you, if we can serve you in any way, if you would like the prayers of this church, or if you would like uh, to be baptized, we offer that for you this morning. If you'd make your wants or your wishes be known as we stand and sing the song that was selected.